I've been here many times before and I've never been defeated and still I will never be defeated. It's Jay and this is Chuck. What's up, everyone? I greet you in Izzy Adesanya's right pectoral muscle. What the heck is going on there? I'm Jay. I'm joined by Chuck. Uh, Jay, the guy clearly asked after the press conference to stop looking at his titty. Hey, man. Like, it's in our face. And it's not a pretty sight. That titty's what got in the wind. All right, guys. This is Chuck coming to you once again for another episode. Um, so we're going to start with the, the big, game, big game of the weekend, Liverpool versus Arsenal. And the big question is, how far is Arsenal from Liverpool? I know which they got beat 3-1 and Liverpool dominated dominate the game, but it's still early gates. So what, what was your take, Jay? Do you think they have a lot to do or it was just once off? It is the hope that kills you. It is the hope that kills you as an Arsenal fan. Now, nah, man, it's not really one. It's not that era anymore. But the truth of the matter is Arsenal are still, I'd actually say, a couple of seasons away from Liverpool. Because you watch, you watch going into that game and the feeling from Arsenal fans was, well, we've beaten Liverpool twice in our last two matches and therefore we probably match up with them very well and on the same level. But if you, if you break down those last two wins, one of those wins came against a Liverpool side that had already won the title. We saw that same Liverpool go to the Etihad and get thrashed for zero, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there was not a reflection of who this team are. Neither was it a reflection as such as as to how close or the gap that had shrunk between Arsenal and Liverpool. The other game was the Community Shield and the Community Shield is a glorified friendly match. Um, and in that Community Shield match as well, uh, for about an hour following uh, around the 20th minute, Liverpool were on the front were on the front foot, which is exactly what they did in this game, and they put Arsenal under all sorts of pressure. It was interesting for me to watch because in the first first couple of minutes, Liverpool did not look like they were pressing Arsenal very high, which was a compliment to Arsenal because they experienced um, how Arsenal have developed that passing game from the back, building up to even score goals at times. But then after after some time, not not too long into the match, they, they found the rhythm and they were on top of Arsenal and you saw that Liverpool back line pressed up against the the centre line and they were just dominant in that game. <clears throat> so in my opinion, Arsenal are not yet ready to challenge Liverpool for, for supremacy in England. But they're getting there, but they need talent to get there. So when you say it'll take a couple of seasons, if I heard you correctly, um, is it because of the philosophy or do you think it'll take a couple of seasons to get new players or is it just to get the whole thing gelling and running and eventually you're going to build something? Do you think it can't be done overnight, being one season overnight? Arsenal need players. That's the thing. The system is there. And, and the thing is, at the highest, at the highest form of competition, talent does win out. You can have the greatest coach in the world, but if he is not supported by the personnel who can actually translate to the T what he is teaching them on the training field, then 
you're going to have a situation like you have at Arsenal. What happens at Arsenal, the reasons that the results have taken a turn for the better is because of the coaching. You see clearly the system that Arteta has in place there. And you see to an extent that the players are carrying it well, but they're carrying it as much as their talent allows them to do so. If you look at that Arsenal midfield, uh, for example, Granit Xhaka and <laughs> Granit Xhaka, in my opinion, Granit Xhaka does not belong in the midfield. And the only reason that he plays there is because there are no better options. But the other reason is because Granit Xhaka is the de facto leader, at, uh, the de facto captain at Arsenal. And he has every Arsenal coach intoxicated by his leadership because other than that, and that is the thing that people rave about, other than that, he does not, he does not offer anything dynamic in that midfield. The Arsenal midfield options are not very dynamic. Ceballos was a, a good introduction to the game. He was offering those forward passes, splitting the defense, but he's just one guy. You know, so the reason I say it's going to take a couple of seasons is because there's going to have to be a turnover in this team in terms of personnel. And you're not going to bring all the guys in all at the same time. So you're not going to do a Chelsea? We don't have the money to do a Chelsea. (laughs) See, the reason why I also ask that question is, like, maybe it's because I'm not an Arsenal fan. And so I don't see the same thing you do when when I see Arsenal play. This whole pull up from the back, for me... Yeah, it's got its merits, and and they like for instance, what what um, who am I looking for? What sure, or what 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 Ian Wright was pointing out is that sure, like has got a lucky break, but that was because of the Arsenal builder play from the back. They got the ball all the way up the pitch, and they crossed the ball, and uh, Van Dijk, Mister Robertson, miskicked it, and Lacazette finished. But it was because of the Arsenal passing. But for me, till now, like from the first game against Fulham, every time they build up from the back, there's at least two or three times that they lose the ball in dangerous positions. And I, I don't know if you want to persist with that because, for instance, when Pepe was playing tiki-taka, he had, he had Iniesta's, he had Chavis, he had the best players at his disposal. He got to Bayern, he got good players at his disposal. Got to City, he had good players, bought even more good players so he can play his system. And I'm thinking that Arteta is somewhat the poor man's Barcelona or, or, or Man City. And with them trying to build up from the back, I mean, the only person that... Yeah, he's got mistakes in his game, but the only person that I think can do it uh, efficiently is is, is David Luiz because he's a footballer at the back. I don't think holding is that. I don't think Tierney is that. Maybe I don't watch him often enough, but I, I see occasions for mistakes to happen at the back. So for me, that's 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 another thing that I that I always look at when when I watch Arsenal play Guti. Will they mess it up? Will they mess it up? And that's that's for me is concerning. Other than that, um, I think you guys are quite far in terms of personnel. I mean. For instance, you look at uh, uh, um, United. United have got a lot of good players. But you think that ah, Arsenal listen. are quite fine in terms of personnel? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, please go on. Because, I mean, you and I had a conversation just like an hour ago or something, and you want to see Lacazette gone. Sure, you had two sitters. But for me, my question was, if you get Lacazette away, or rather you move him off, who's Osad Noban? You've got Obama Young and Enketia. Fine, that's the forward line. In the midfield, there's no one really notable to go on about. And, I mean, for me, it's a system that carries a team. So, for me, for instance, I was going to, the, to, to my Man United example. Man United have got the players, but, yeah, not the tactics. Because if they did set the tactics, they'd produce something against, like, a Brighton or someone. But when they, when they come good, you can tell the individual talent shines. But when Arsenal come, comes good, it's because Aubameyang is scoring. And if you take Aubameyang out the team, I don't know who, to, who else can win them a game. So, for me, so for me... I don't know. I I don't know how how far it will, how long it will take, or how far exactly they are. But for me, you need players, and I don't know if you should ditch the system. Like these passes for me, eventually they'll bite you in the butt. 
they should not ditch the system. Here's the reason why. The reason you actually want to pass out, you want to play out from the back, and under under Emery, Arsenal were actually attempting to do the same thing. But under Emery, it didn't look like it was very well coached. And there are occasions, I'll, I'll agree with you on this, there are occasions when you are reading the game, particularly in last night's game against Liverpool, where it seemed as if their press was stronger than what you were attempting to do to beat that press. And in, in that situation, you probably do want to knock it away, particularly after having seen what happened um, against against Chelsea with Liverpool where Mane was pressing the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper made a mistake and there he scored the goal that finished off that game, you know. Mm-hmm. But the reason I say you want to persist with it is because, one, that is very clearly the philosophy of this coach. And if having brought this coach on and then having seen the improvements that have happened under this coach, then you want to go as far as he wants to take whatever philosophy he wants to imprint on the team. And the philosophy that he wants to imprint on the team is that they are a possession-dominant football team who are comfortable playing out from the back. Another reason you want to do that, Pep Guardiola explains the philosophy behind that, is that there are always spaces to be exploited. And you don't necessarily want to give the ball away. And if you if you if you if you play with the ball, especially against teams in this modern day football, we see the strongest teams particularly, but almost every team, they press and they press high. Liverpool as well, they press and they press high. And the way that you beat Liverpool, and we saw in the game, Michael Owen like showed a graphic which actually illustrates this. If you beat that front line, that for that first wave of of, of the press. And that's a big if because they are very well, well, well marshaled in this and they do it very well and they do it consistently. But mm. at the end of the day, if you want to compete against the team and then hopefully beat them, one of the things you're going to have to grapple with is how do you beat their press? And the way to beat their press, you have to pass through it. And because they press up front and so high, if you beat, as I'm saying, if you beat that first wave of, of, of the frontline attackers pressing, then you are met with a midfield that is pretty bare and a defensive line that is pressed up high against as i said um the center line and now you are you are in a situation where you can actually pass it through the defense or over it and you're in with a chance to win because if you don't if you don't actually try pass through that press against liverpool there's not much that you can do against them okay fine i i i, I acknowledge your point and i agree to them it's just good to when when i see it happen maybe it's in the teething stage but it can't be because you said the players are not good enough that's what i'm saying Uti. yes the players when, are not when, good when enough. they do it for me i'm always thinking is it going to be lost now like even when the goal was scored it's one of those lost gas passes and that's that's something that they do very well they they, they wait till the last possible second to pass the ball and by doing that, if you pass the ball successfully, you've eliminated a player for sure because he's definitely out of position at that point. But when it happens, for me, it's, it's a bit... man. Because here's the thing. When I watched uh, Arsenal defend Liverpool, defending against Liverpool, they, they were pressing, yes, but in, in, in a very random manner that it ended up looking like they were wasting their effort because they were pressing at the wrong times, in the wrong moments, and it didn't really bear any fruit. And so if you guys can't do anything in terms of winning back the ball... When you do get the ball, because the the, the game was was was, was so hard, and you guys only got the ball at the back, either it was via goal kick or or foul or whatever offside, whatever. But you're always play, playing from the back. Do you want to risk losing the ball at the back or rather in the middle of the park? But here I am, not an not an Arsenal fan. I I would say stop it. I would just say stop it, because here's the thing. For me, it, it seems like you guys are always looking to pull from the back. 
I've never seen the quick pass to William or the quick pass to Shakati. Let's bypass. Let's do something intricate. Let's do something quick. It's always that slow build up, and eventually, I think you can find out because of the players. against Liverpool, against Liverpool with this level of talent, you will get found out. No, I, but I, what against uh, West Ham? Did you not have the same problems though? Not entirely. Um, against against teams of lesser talent or teams who are not as 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 well versed in 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 the Gengen press. Mm. You can get away with it. That's why it will be an interesting show when Arsenal come up against Leeds because Pielsa is another one who is he's 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 very meticulous about his his team pressing teams and they're going to press Arsenal and because he knows as well that this is what Arsenal are looking to do. The question with any with any style that you put across is you can you can teach it, um, but once the players are out on the field, and this goes both ways, not just for Arsenal, but against a team who have the philosophy that Liverpool do, is that can they execute? Because you can go into the game with a plan, and the question is, can you execute? And if you can't, maybe you should then like revisit uh, the blueprint, revisit uh, the the chalkboard. You know, mm. maybe we should do um, something different because. And and the reason I say that Liverpool did pay some respect to the Arsenal um, passing game from the back was because they've been burnt as recently as the Community Shield. Yeah. Also saw it in the game against um, Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-finals that there was a a goal that literally came from the goalkeeper, almost got touched by every player on the Arsenal side, and ended up with uh, Young finishing that for the goal. So there's been evidence that it can work the reason it's not consistently working is because the guys who are tasked to carry it out are not consistently good enough to do that if i was playing that that particular style i change formation i'd probably go with the 352 or 442 because my whole thing is if you're gonna pass the ball around that many times rather have the midfielders pass the ball than the defenders they're the ones who are supposed to be good at passing the ball then you get guys who can drop deep and actually make sure that you don't lose the ball early on but with the kind of modern football, like I've got a problem with with modern formation, three four three or four four three. It's interesting because when you sorry. if you if you watch Leeds, when the goalkeeper has the ball, you see Ailing the one fullback and Dallas the other fullback. They they literally spread so far wide, and then you see Phillips drop into a, a centre back position, and he's the one who the goalkeeper gives it to him, and because he's the most gifted passer in their team, he's then tasked to to start with that. Mm. So I think what you're saying is is correct. The reason you don't always necessarily want to do that is because you might not want your 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 midfielder that deep when you're starting attacks. But in a situation like that, that's why and and Pep is the one who who brought this into fashion where you're looking for centre backs who are comfortable in the ball mm-hmm. and who who can progress the ball through their passing. The issue with those kind of centre backs is they don't tend to be very good defenders. No, not at all. Like Tierney had a had a case of um, Lindelof. Not being hard enough in the tackle. Tierney was he abused let, he let, he by let Salah, Salah just run past game. him. For me, that's when you nudge the guy off the ball. Kick him, do something, because you still got like a meter or so before you get to the box. Mm. Do something, stop the player, get a card. It's well warranted. But if you, like, if you let Mo Salah get a shot and then Mane's got an easy finish because no one's picking him up because they're actually expecting you to win the ball, you put the, your team in trouble. So for me, I think you should get uh, midfielders when I come play the ball defenders who can actually defend like this footballing defender I mean I understand like where, where do you find uh, Walker in space hardly do. do Robinson hardly do it's all good for for the attack but when you're supposed to do your job you're never there it doesn't make sense for me maybe I'm not a coach and so I don't understand but it doesn't make sense to me 
does get teams into trouble, so which instance, we're going to get into when we talk about Manchester City. So apparently, Thiago had uh, a record for the most passes within a 45-minute span, which was 75. Yeah. Guess who beat that record? Virgil van Dijk. That shouldn't be happening. It's, why are defenders <laughs> passing the ball so often? And I mean, okay, I saw he had, he had good passes. He was spreading the ball quite long. Which he's I'm not a, really he's a very good passer. Very good passer of the ball. I'm not always a fan of defenders passing the ball because I figure to someone else who's supposed to be spreading. I mean, if you bypass the whole midfield, for me, it's like the role. The role of the role of the defender has changed because a lot. Fullbacks are not necessarily take Aaron Wan Bissaka for example. the The book on him is that he is not very good going forward. He is probably the best one on one defender in the world, maybe even mm. uh, definitely in the EPL. But that doesn't get raved as much about uh, as as opposed to he's so inept when he's in when he when he's up up front, because what you're looking for from your fullbacks is Trent Alexander Arnold. You're looking for Reese James is playing ahead of um, Aspilicueta because Reese James has proven that okay he's got a good cross on him. He mm. can get into those advanced positions and he he can put good balls into the box. The same thing when you look at Bayern Munich. Davis has mm-hmm. has taken over that left back position, and when you look at him, you can tell that this guy's not a defender. Mm-hmm. But because in football you're always trying to create those overloads, or you always you're always trying to overwhelm the opposition. What has now happened is we're gonna get as many attackers on the field as we can, and some of them will disguise them as defenders. And what you are then hoping for is that what they give you in attack it compensates for what is clearly going to be lacking in defense. It's 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 a different game. It's a different game altogether. And now speaking of a different game, wait, before I even go to City versus Leicester, I think we need to pay respects to Liverpool. They actually had a good game that night. You know what? Um I'm 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 considering That's my fine. pick I'll, for I'll the go. title. <laughs> oh, oh. I, I'm I'm considering it. It's still early. Funny. Still early. I'm still still riding with Manchester City. <laughs> although I'm hanging on. I got trouble at the back, Manchester hanging City. Hanging on. I mean one thing that you see is that mo- m- money hasn't Dropped a level at all, whether it's preseason that he's had or not, whether it's early in, in the in the league, money is still money. Salah's still hungry, but hella greedy. I don't want to say anything else except for really Salah is very greedy. I mean, why why would you take the ball off the toe of Diogo Jota, who's gonna receive the ball and finish? That's who he is. Salah, no, that's who he is. I mean, Liverpool, that, man, Liverpool, Liverpool are juggernaut. I think my my closing words on them to answer the question that was first asked: How far Arsenal from Liverpool? Interesting, I, I, I came across the comments of um, Klopp after they won the league uh, again recently. And he was talking about the first time that they had the oppo- an opportunity to win the league was when they finished second with 97 points. Prior to that, where he had been there for two seasons and also advanced to a Champions League final, he did not consider that the team that he took over and the team that he, he, he led to the Europa finals mm-hmm. as well as the Champions League finals to be a team that was truly in contention for the title as Manchester City. But then when he added those, the personnel that he did, Van Dijk and Allison, then he was, in, in his mind, they were now in a position where they can actually push on and challenge Manchester City coming back then the following season to win it. And I, I think that's where Arsenal are in those first two seasons of, of Klopp at Liverpool. And only when the coach has the kind of personnel which he can feel like we can genuinely be on the field with those boys and take them on is when Arsenal fans should start feeling hopeful and confident that a title challenge is on the horizon. For now, you got to pray for players. I was about to say that's where Oli is with his team. 
<laughs> but Oli is not. That is where Oli's team is with Oli. Man, but look, Liverpool played very well. Um, I mean, we we were we were raving about Thiago and the addition of Thiago, um, but they did very well without him, um, which means that 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 team minus Thiago minus Diego Jota is still very good. And in Diego Jota, they've got a, a very very capable replacement. So now you can afford to sub off Salah all your money, give them time to 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 take a break and still be as dangerous. Because I thought. When you bring on Origi, you have to change shape a bit or change the way you play. Shakira doesn't quite play that much. And guess who else, who else had a good game? Uh, Keita. I actually saw him on the pitch run around. And he, he actually was, had his yeah. best game in a while for me as well. So, I mean, Liverpool are... are, are I mean, all the signings that they've that they've made sorry, are, are doing good. Um, Liverpool Keita's are here to stay. Yeah. They, they, they're here to stay. They are going to be there on the last day of this season deciding who wins this league. And to the other favourites that we had picked, yeah, but no, 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 no. Five goals later, and they're looking shaky. And what has Pep done? <laughs> he secured, um, uh, I think the defenders called Diaz from Benfica for was it fifty or sixty mil? Almost seventy. Ah, yeah, bon. Just to show up at the back, close to seventy mil. And and for me, Pep, I, re- I read some of that. Pep has spent more money since since he came in came came at City than Juve, Real Madrid. Arsenal, United, I think, and Chelsea, all combined in the past six years. Just on defenders. He spent more money than all five of those teams. And you want to this is not going to work because if you're going to bring... Either Pep cannot identify good defenders or Pep does not, does not know how to coach defenders or he puts them in a bad situation where they can't really defend. I mean, Otamendi came in, he had decent reputation, didn't work out. Um, then they signed the Mendy, then they signed the Mangala, then they signed the Stones. Then it just d- doesn't work out. Like Stones was good at Everton until he came to Pep. Do you think it's gotten too complicated? Because the only person who's played there regularly is Fernandino, and that's a midfielder. Do you think it's complicated to play as a defender for his seat? He can't coach defenders. I, I really because don't think he, he can put coach it, defenders. Because he put in Mascherano at the back when he was at Barca. Yep. Because he can do the midfield thing at the back. And then he converted Philip Lam. He put him well. Lam was a right back, but he put him in the center, I guess, to bridge yep. that gap. Kimmich dropped into the back as well. Same thing. Pep. When you go back to Barcelona, he he did he had the luxury of not having to worry about his defense. Not because his defense was particularly the greatest in the world. I'm I'm not a fan of Puyol, um, and 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 I think that um, the husband of Hipstone Lie. <laughs> PK. Yeah. I think PK is. I think he's 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 a good defender. Right. Um, he's a good defender. He's he's not Vidic, he's not Ferdinand for me, you know. But he didn't have to worry about that because his team had the ball seventy percent of the time. When they didn't have it, they were they were pressing high and they're winning it back and they were they were smashing teams. You do not have a good chance to see what that team looks like when they really put under pressure at the back, you know. And then he goes to Bayern he's here at City. At Manchester City. I'm sorry. Like at Manchester City <laughs> Pep Guardiola has gone out to buy a defender for almost 70 million. Excuse me. Like that defensive line at the moment consists of Kyle Walker, who at one point was the most expensive right back of all time. It consists of uh, Mendy. There are like four Mendys in all football right now <laughs> that we know. There's a Mendy who plays left back for, for, for Real Madrid. There's a Mendy who is playing for Leicester in that game against uh, Manchester City. And there's a Mendy who's going to be keeping goals for Chelsea. And I think that the one at City is the worst of the Mendys. <laughs> they have Mendy at left back who was the world record defender at some point. 
Laporte was the world record defender at some point. Stones was bought for 50 million. Ake is apparently going to be a squad player at 40 million. And then now they're bringing in another guy at around 70 million. How how many guys do you need? I tweeted this the other day. Like, Do you need Franz Beckenbauer? Do you need Baresi to come from the 70s and the 80s to come marshal that defense for it to be a defense that you feel like you can go compete with? What the hell? Like, what? Like, how much more does Pep need for him not for him to have a defense that they feel is competent enough to compete for all the big prizes? Now, well, the funny thing about Pep, that man is for I'm sorry. <laughs> the the three teams that took and see the least number of goals last season is Liverpool, City, and United. Funny enough. At the most, they considered 36 goals, and the least was 33 goals, which doesn't look so crazy when, in hindsight. But when you watch them play. And you look at Pep's defense at sixes and sevens, well, won't there's a problem here. I mean, then he comes up with comments like, um, Leicester didn't come here to play. Like, what? After five goals, I didn't come here to play. So, like, you didn't come here with defenders. I mean, it's the funniest thing ever. And here's, here's one of my pet peeves. I hate it when coaches say like that. Pep has said it a lot. Other coaches have said that this team set up to defend and then come to play. It's your job to break them down. Isn't that what coaching is? <laughs> find a solution. Find a way around it. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got an example, for instance, right? Idiot Asanya, um, the guy with the saggy chili that Jay referenced at the beginning of the <laughs> that show. That guy. He had this beef with Paulo Costa, right? Um, it was for the middleweight, middleweight title. It was billed as the fight of the year. It never did that, right? So what happens is there's lots of mind games, a lot of chirping, and all these things that these people do antics in, in terms of selling the fight. When the fight goes on, round number one. There's a lot of trash talking. Paulo Costa's got hands behind his back. He gets kicked in the leg. He's pretending that he's not feeling the pain. And round two, he gets knocked out. Gone. Paulo Costa only offered one jab the entire fight. That guy you can question what he didn't come to fight. But that guy lost. Comes at Chimaev, which is the new UFC sensation. Beat um, Merchant one punch in the first round. It was about 17 seconds. It was done. That guy you can consider that he didn't come to fight. But press conference and his fighting records say otherwise. But when the team scores five past you and they're the winners, you can't tell me they didn't come to play. Come on, Pep Guardiola. Come on. That's naive, eh? That is, that is naive because that shows you that there is one way of thinking. If you are Pep Guardiola or you play for Pep Guardiola. Rodri. Rodri says that they were lucky. Talking about Leicester. He says Leicester were lucky to win. And he says football has not been fair to us. And he says he doesn't understand because teams come here and do nothing. Excuse me. Are you not the guy who was also bought for a high fee to, as one of the reasons that you are there, is to help protect that, that defensive line? So when, 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 ugh, Harry Barnes, like, uh, okay. Barnes, Barnes, where have I been not watching <laughs> Barnes? Barnes is a, Barnes is a sublime of, player. Sublime. He's Bonds going into my FPL team. I was thinking my about that. But the thing with Bonds, though, is that he, he can't finish, man. He's wasteful. He should have punished that team. But the thing is, so this is what I was thinking when I'm watching Leicester, right? I'm thinking the Leicester middle three can walk into the Arsenal midfield. And because what, 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 what Leicester have in, 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 in the middle three when Madison is fit, you know, they have everything that you want from one of the three that you, that you trot out in a, in a, in a, in a central three. You have you have a guy who breaks up the play in this particular game was Mendy um, mm-hmm. when when 
Evans is 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 healthy and Suyuncu is also healthy, then Didi is not going to be playing at the back. He's going to be in that position. So you'd have in Didi, right? Mm. You have a Telemans who is sure in possession, and he was he was spraying some passes from deep in that game against 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 Manchester City, one which led to the penalty that led to the goal on 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 the right hand side. Mm. And you want a guy like that that okay, if the one who breaks off the play gives it to him, the first thing that he's doing is he's lifting his head, and if there's an outlet pass, he can hit it and he can do so like consistently. And then you have a Madison who is the guy who's going to stress the defense. He's going to run at the defense from the number ten position. He's going to slip in passes. He's going to do what he did in that game. If 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 he the mood takes him that he can shoot from range as well and score those goals, and 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 they have this balance in midfield. And then when you look up front, as I said, like Suyuncu and and Evans are a good pair at the back. And then up front, you've got you've got Vardy who still has the lungs to run almost all day. And you, then you've got Barnes, who's who's running behind that, just in front of, of of that midfield three, and he's running behind it, and he's running into all these spaces, and he's causing all sorts of havoc, and he's creating space for Vardy, who wants to run, mm. to run into all day. So that team comes there with a the mindset that okay, we're gonna sit back, and we saw this on the weekend. Yeah. Dortmund had almost eighty percent in their game against Augsburg. They got beaten. Bayern Munich had about eighty percent of position in their game as well. They got beaten for one. There are more than one ways to win a football match. And if you are someone who's as astute as Pep Guardiola and his and, and his players, and you look at that and you do not consider that that is a way to win a football game, then there are more days like that that are coming that are coming against you. To finish off, the Leicester coach, he says it it's taken him thirteen years. To play like that mm. so he was also naive he also had that mindset that there is only one way to play regardless of who you, the opposition is you want to have you want to be on the front foot and you want you want to impress yourself upon the opposition but he says that for the first time in his coaching career he came there decided to set up differently and he walks away with a 5-2 winning margin at the etihad do you then not as Pep Guardiola like listen to that and go maybe maybe there's something to learn from that? Pep Pep doesn't do a post match uh, uh, thing interview and say maybe I need to go back to the drawing board. He'll say things like uh, they set up defensively, they didn't come to play, and all that nonsense. I mean, for instance, he says I need more money. That's what he and goes splash, back and, and splashes says. the money. Like for instance, you know, in the game uh, where, where where Son scored four. Yeah, that defense pressed very high, and and that and that ball over the top was open all day, all day long. Same thing for Vardy. That ball over the top, and for for Vardy and for Barnes was open all day long. And what 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 Pep is not uh, telling us is that those guys found a way to stop Kevin De Bruyne. He had almost zero impact on the game. They yeah, found a way to stop Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. Sterling was nowhere really to be seen. Maris was good early on. His whole team crumbled, and he wants to say that Leicester didn't, didn't come to play. Pep, please. You Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Pep Guardiola the game is at 1-1 Chuck yeah. the game is 1-1 and Pep Guardiola is not satisfied with the fact that his team are in the game with a, a, a side who are as good as Leicester Leicester need to be paid they do respects they are a good side instead what does Pep Guardiola do he pulls off Fernandinho <laughs> and he puts I on he puts on Rory Delap's son by the way can you believe Rory Delap's son is playing football how how old are I, I, I how how old are you? How old are we? Like Rory Delap's son is playing professional football for Manchester City, and he's not doing anything concerning throw-ins. Then no, he's a striker. <laughs> Pep Guardiola pulls off the captain. He pulls off a defensive stalwart in that midfield, Fernandinho, 
at 1-1 and then the game gets out of hand because it was not satisfactory that Pep Guardiola's side was in was in a tussle an arm wrestling match with Leicester City his idea was no let's put on give them more guns let's go at them even even more rather than okay let's try to figure let's try to figure this out because this is what this is how this team has set up let's be patient but let's keep our let's keep our defensive credibility rather than pulling off a Fernandinho putting on another attacker and living with the result that you did you have to live with this result because you brought it upon yourself because your idea is no ways can a team come and compete against the great Manchester City it is that arrogance that is that is going to lose them the title again I'll tell you this they looked a bit lost without a Jesus or Aguero as a reference point up front yeah and I don't know why because I've always figured to myself ah when Sterling is there he'll score when Mario is or Bernardo Silva someone will score City have got goals in them but on the weekend they didn't look like that they don't have the players to play um, they were under lots of pressure against Wolves got beaten handily against Leicester <laughs> Pep <laughs> you need to find solutions bro like Solutions like Oli, get someone to win you a penalty or something. Oli's, Oli. You know what? That that the, the matter of of the, of the guy in front actually, that actually takes me back to the point that you need a system to begin with, but you need players to play in that system. The two together, when 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 they marry, they make a perfect union. Because we tend to think, if you're watching Manchester City, you tend to think that you can put anyone up there and, and there will be goals, mm. but. Sergio Aguero needs a lot more respect than he's been paid because all those goals that he scored, yes, it's it's partly due to the way that City play, but it's also due to the fact that Sergio Aguero is Sergio Aguero. He's a gifted finisher, and especially in and around that 18-yard area, you can find him and he will do the job. Jesus is not quite Aguero, but when you do have him, you do have that focal point. If you take him away... As 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 good as Sterling has been in the last couple of seasons, he's not that guy. Mm-hmm. He's he's not that player. As good as good as Kevin De Bruyne is, he's great supporting the striker if you ask him to do that. But he's also not that guy. And Mares had a scorcher, but like none of the guys that they have in the team. And he tried, as I'm saying, he, he put on a 17 year old with the ideas and the hopes that he might be able to replicate what the South Americans do in in that lineup. But is, is it not strange then that the guy who I uh, use this term lightly, who invented the false nine, is now looking for strikers to play, even 17-year-olds, because he's that desperate. I mean, we look at a Pep side and we're like, you, you guys can do without a striker because you've got this system. You guys pass the ball very well. I mean, you can count four or five players with creative uh, abilities and we can give a final pass. I mean, they got it to a point where, I mean, as you're saying, with Aguero scores in the 18-yard 18, 18 box, that the goals are that simple. It's a cutback or it's an intricate pass. The goals become very simple that anyone can score them, but it shows that not anyone and not everyone can score them. It's very strange to go to Pep Guardiola, Mr. False Number Nine, is looking to a 17-year-old to solve his goal-scoring problems. Shouldn't I think he have a solution. By the way, I actually think that False Nine idea of Pep, especially Barcelona, is is a bit misleading because his his Barcelona sides when he arrived, they they had Thierry Henry and Samuel Eto'o. And then they briefly had, um, a, a, I almost said Abramovich, Ibrahimovic. Hmm. And you move on, David Villa then then takes up that place. And then when he goes to Bayern Munich, Lewandowski But is, didn't he have a time when he had Sanchez and he was uh, had Sanchez and Fabregas? And Fabregas was leading the line for a couple of games. 
Fabregas was leading the line for Spain, not for Barcelona. The guy who played the false nine, so to speak, at Barcelona was a guy who was scoring like 70 goals. Okay. You can get away with that if you have that guy in midfield. But in in, in, in actual fact, he actually does prefer like having a striker there. And it, it, his system does need a striker um, of the caliber of a Sergio Aguero. Uh, because if he goes down and Jesus goes down... And if these guys are down, because and, and and the concern now at Manchester City is that Aguero was supposed to be down for a couple of weeks, then turned into a month. We don't really know when he's going to be back, and Jesus is 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 out of commission as well. Not certain, I haven't heard, but not certain when he'll be back. But if they are forced to play a couple of games without those guys, they might find themselves with a gap to make up as they did early on last season. And to close out this part, I want to talk about I'll talk about mention Klopp said. He doesn't understand why people voted to go back to three subs because hectic schedules. I mean, City could have used a lot more options in terms of substitutes and they will definitely need them going forward because they don't have any strikers. So, hey, Pep you reject that EPL, you lie in it. So, here we go now. Handball rule. United got a penalty late in the game. Tottenham got Late a in the game? Late <laughs> in the game, boy. <laughs> hey, it happened before the final whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's controversy around? I don't think there's controversy with that actually. With what? With the with the with the it happened it, after. Oh the no, game. not at all. I mean, they are as there to to check things that happen retrospectively, and if there's there's an infringement that is that is seen, you go you go there and you you visit that that file. So for me, especially as a United player, I got no issues with that because we we were struggling that entire game. So any penalty, any time, first minute, ninth, ninth minute, fiftieth minute, a hundredth minute, any time in the game to win us the game, I'm okay with that. And then there's Eric Dyer um, handball that went against him against uh, Newcastle, if I'm not mistaken, yes, against Newcastle. And so the thing is, VAR came in, ruffled a few feathers because there are things that we don't agree with. VAR and a couple of rules, um, handball rule to be specific. Do you think the handball rule, as it, as it's interpreted now? Has it made things clearer or easier? Or do you think it's still complicated? Are we back to square one just with, dif- with different rules and different words? To begin with, it's actually... It's interesting to me that complaints about VAR and handball rules and the change of rules, they happen in England, hey? Like, yeah. you don't you don't hear this... To- I, I was watching a couple of La Liga games over the weekend as well then as the Juve-Roma game. These are things These are things that don't come up in, in, in those leagues. These are things that come up specifically or predominantly in the English Premier League. That's because the English game is so fast, apparently, if you I, ask them. That, mu- that must be the reason because... Uh, uh, by the way, before you even continue, Thiago Silva said the reason why he didn't come to the EPL for so long is because England played this route one football <laughs> that was boring. And then he's the one with the fumble. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, they are... Ultimately, he came for the money. We know what provide professional because they were probably looking to pay him the most at this late stage of his life. What's he gonna say now? But do I think we're back to square one? Yes, and I think we are always going to be back to square one. The handball rule, because what is the handball rule? What is the handball rule? Because you have a decision to make. As 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 the rules were, if the ball hits a player on the hand. Then the ref has a decision to make, and that decision was a subjective one, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever decision, not whatever decision that he made, there were instances where if he made a decision to either blow that it's a, it's a, it's it's an incident, or to let it go that it was like ball to hand, one one side is going to complain. 
right? Yeah. No one, not one side would have been fully, not both sides would have been fully satisfied with that. And then this rule was introduced to try take that subjectivity out of it to just say, well, if we are now telling you as FIFA that the rule is if these happen, if this happens, then it's ample. And the rules would be that if if your hand is not in line with your body and the ball hits your hand, then it's a handball. Or if it's above your shoulder, then it, it's a handball. But now, because we come with the mindset of old, which we are revisiting that idea with, 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 with thoughts that it was perfect, or we prefer it that way, which is not true. Because if universally everyone preferred it that way, it was not going to be changed. But now then we, we come with those mindsets and we look at a decision like that uh, that went against Dians. Like, he was not even facing the ball. Mm-hmm. He was not looking at the ball. The ball is behind him and his hand is above like his shoulder, yes. And the ball strikes him. And then you penalize him. And the question is, what are you penalizing him for? Are you saying that he may have attempted to do that? And the rule actually is not really saying that. The rule just says that the ball hit his hand in that particular position. And if it's applied, here's, here's my stance. If it's applied across the board, mm. what's going to happen is you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. It, 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 it's going to regress towards the mean for everybody. And the issue is, 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 is going to happen for whichever sets of fans feel hard done by in the particular moment. Les Ferdinand in, in that broadcast was saying that if the, the rule continues, he's not going to watch football. My guy... You may not want to. I, pro- I, I can tell you millions of other people who are going to continue watching the game, regardless of what same, happens. Same thing said by Alan Shearer when he was asking the, 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 the ref, can FIFA change the rules mid-season because <laughs> they're going to lose fans and whatnot. I was like, I, It's Shira. not going to happen. What, what it's do fine, you, bro. You know what these guys are? These guys are, are speaking from a perspective that they are players. Or, yeah. or they, are, they are part of the game. But as I keep saying on, on, on this podcast... What ultimately sport is, and and the EPL is the greatest example of this, it's a TV show. Mm. And one of the things that you want to get happening in a TV show is that you want to get people divided. Because if if the storyline, the narrative is divisive, then you have people chipping in their views and they want to engage with what is happening. And if FIFA are looking at that and it's like, well, people are actually engaging with this particular storyline, they're not going to change that. Like for me, it's good for business. The refereeing thing is is a bit difficult because referees are put in a hot spot because they have to now execute the law as it is written, even though they see with die law, it was clearly a mistake. But they need to say with the ah die your your hand touched the ball, it was in an unnatural position according to the rule. Your arm was above your shoulder, ball touched. Doesn't matter where you were facing, penalty. And the funny thing about all these decisions is, and I keep going back to this, Zawuti. Every time they happen in the box, they will stop and review. Anyone else on the pitch, game moves on and they don't give a damn about it. And that's what frustrates me. I mean, for instance, the other um, rule that has changed in terms of um, handball in an attacking position, that if, you are, if your hand touches the ball, but it does not directly lead to a goal, there's a bit of play or a passing that, that happens after that, then the goal is legit. So why not see if the handball affects the game that much or not? I mean, for instance... It's not like the, 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 the ball from Dyer's, from after hitting Dyer's arm was going to go into, sorry, if it hadn't hit Dyer's arm, it's not like a, that, that header was going to go on, on, on target. So I penalize him. It was a hopeful header, you know? But again, when, when we take it back to the, to the referees, then it's, it's being subjective again, as you were saying, and then we're going we're gonna to complain because this referee doesn't, doesn't interpret it the same as that other referee back to square one, which is post-VAR, sorry, pre-VAR, pre-all these new rules. So maybe we can never win with the handball rule. 
I don't think we can. I it's think just good to the, what's frustrating is that we as the fans, yeah, we can see good to this was not intentional. Like I wouldn't have blown for this. Yeah. So so why why? That's what I said last week. Which when VR <laughs> pauses the video and brings the referee to see, you know, they they are, they are, they are zooming on this thing. Hey, ref, it touched the hand. What you won't do? And he has to execute. You know, actually, under the old rules with VAR, with the opportunity as the ref to go review your own decision, that actually may shake up to decisions that are, are largely not frowned upon. Makes but sense that you, I, I think that allow, one may... Allow the ref to make a mistake and then correct it. If he's made a mistake, yeah. yes. Like, well, you maybe want to look... VAR communicates to him that... I know you made a this decision, but you maybe want to come look at it. Or even if you missed it and they call him over to the screen, it's like, look at it, um, say what you think. Because at this moment, when they're looking at the screen, the question is not, what do you think? Do you think it was handball or not? The thi- And it's funny for me why they call him to the screen because the one who's communicating is, yeah, he knows the rules. Mm. And all of them have been briefed that you must be strict with the rules, that if the ball hits the hand under these circumstances, then it is definitely handball. There's no need to deliberate, mm-hmm. you know? So if you do go back to the old rule, then there is a need to deliberate. Um, and he can he can make that. Because according to Dermot, I want to say Gallagher. I think his surname <laughs> is Gallagher. The 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 retired referees who's brought on um, by, by, by Sky to review these things. He says that he as a referee would not have wanted to give some of these decisions. And he says that it pains some of these referees as well to give these decisions. Um, But unfortunately, they have to give them because this is this is the directive that they've received from Mm. the Makulu buses, you know. So maybe the old rule with VAR, maybe that's maybe that's the compromise. You marry the two errors and it might actually work out a little better. I think that's that's a very good conclusion to get to because end of the day, if they call it to a screen, you still have to decide. It's still subjective anyway, you know what I mean? So I think that's that's where we end with the handball rule. Uh, last shot of the episode, Roland Garros has started. It's on. Who do you think is going to take it? On the women's side, I have Simona Halep. Um, I don't think, I don't know if Serena actually gets to that one more Grand Slam that she she's looking for. Uh, Gabine Muguruza has also looked good on the clay and um, uh, Azarenka has looked good since, he's, since she's come back to the game but I think Simona Halep especially on that surface is proves to be too strong for them and on the men's side I think Djokovic slays the, the, the beast on the red sand and mm-hmm. takes that crown and probably has the greatest claim to the title of greatest player of all time I don't know about that because that's firmly in Roger's pocket, if you ask me. But I agree. It's not with firmly, you. we'll have that conversation one of these good days. Firmly, and I, I love you're Roger. Gonna, you're gonna this hurts you're me. Gonna my mind. Like for me, um, Djokovic has to win it. Um, I say so because I think he's got a point to prove. Would had you not disqualified me in the U.S. Open, I'd have a, I'd have a Grand Slam in my pocket right now because he's too powerful for the young guns, the Zverevs, and the TMs. And the only person really standing in his way is the clay king himself. And the Clay King has missed a lot of tennis. I mean, sure, it's his favorite surface and he's played very well thus far. But when Djokovic is on song, there are not too many people that can stop him. And he's looked very good this year. And the conditions at this Roland Garros, which is now happening in the summer in Europe, Mm. are different. And Nadal does prefer the traditional Roland Garros uh, conditions. But 
as things are with the cold and some rain actually falling as well the the balls are not getting fluffed as much which means his top spin is not being as effective as it usually is and this plays into the hands of a Djokovic and to your point Djokovic actually is technically unbeaten this year the only loss he has on his record is that disqualification at the US Open so he is he has been dominant even Shame on you, between the breaks Shame so on you and on the women's side and it's, it's, it's almost a blind punt because I haven't watched a lot of women's tennis this year. I mean, it hasn't been much to watch. But anyway, Serena's experience is finally going to pull through. It might be her one and only Not Grand It will. Like, I, I th- look, all, all the other all the other women, as, as we've been saying, are inconsistent. And if you change, as you say now, change of conditions, change of clay surface, um, you don't now hit through the ball as they do at the other tournaments. I think her experience has to pull through. Serena Williams is... Probably my most favorite sports personality of all time. I love Serena Williams, and I can't even watch her matches. That's that. That's how bad it gets when I watch she her and I get nervous. But at at thirty nine, her movement is not what it used to be. It's it's amazing that she's actually still playing as one of the tournament favorites at that age. Because I watched Venus Williams lose a first round match, and Venus Williams should retire. Oh, and geez. I say that respectfully. Geez, geez. Serena's still good. Venus should have been retired in 2010. Should have been retired in 2010. It, it's a sad side. It's a sad side. But um, Serena is, one the, is in with a chance because she is a, she's the GOAT, you know, mm. undisputed at that. But I, 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 think, I think maybe her best days are behind her. After this Grand Slam. Free pacing advice, NBA Finals, Game 1, Heat. I'm just saying. I don't know when it happens. Go Braun. Jimmy Butler's on Go fire. Go Braun. This is Chuck and this signing is Dre. out uh, before Iono, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. That's where we are. Peace.